1: I have grown taller from standing with trees. I have grown smaller from crawling with snails. I have grown lighter from soaring with birds. And along the way, I have grown the wiser by forgetting all that I thought I knew and becoming my teachers from forest and pond. They taught me to speak their wordless tongue, to move like a shadow and think like a lake, to dance to the drum of the wild within. So now and then when I go back to town... I forget that I need to speak words again. For out in the woods, it's a trill or a twitch, and I feel their feelings and dream their dreams, while at the same time they come to know mine. So I shed my fur and I grab a pen to tell what it's like to rise with the sun, to swim with a turtle and touch a deer, for these are the gifts I've come to know. When the teasing wind wakens my soul to enter the wild and see through their eyes. This writing is from Tamarack Song. I came to know of him years ago through a beautiful book called Whispers of the Ancients, Native Tales for Teaching and Healing in Our Time. It is a Nautilus Book Awards winner, a Storytelling World winner, and a Midwest Book Award winner. And he has come out with many more since then, along with the one that we are talking about today, entitled Becoming Nature, Learning the Language of Wild Animals and Plants. Animals and plants are in constant communication with the world around them. To join the conversation, we need only to connect with our primal mind and recognize that we, too, are nature. Once in this state, we can communicate with animals as effortlessly as talking with friends. The songs of birds and the calls of animals start to make sense. We begin to see the reasons for their actions and discover that we can feel what they feel. We can sense the hidden animals around us, then get close enough to look into their eyes and touch them. Immersed in nature, we are no longer intruders, but fellow beings moving in symphony with the dance of life. This is all from Becoming Nature by Tamarack Song, and he has spent his life studying the world's aboriginal peoples, apprenticing to elders, and learning traditional hunter-gatherer survival skills. He spent eight years alone in the woods, as well as living with a pack of wolves. In 1987, he founded the teaching drum outdoor school of the wilderness of northern Wisconsin. He is the author of several books including Entering the Mind of the Tracker. Welcome, Tamarack, to 1111 Talk Radio.
2: Well, thank you for having me, Simran. I always enjoy sharing what my life is all about, what's in my soul, my spirit, and um, I'm very much looking forward to this hour with you.
1: I really appreciate that this book came into my hands at this time because I've been in deep contemplations about us as humanity, and, and there's so many things in the world that make me think, gosh, we're more animal than animal. And in reading through your book, it truly made me realize that we have really forgotten who we are, that we really are that nature. We really have forgotten the language, the connection, the, the beauty, the sensing, all of the different parts of nature, even the silence and the richness that lays within it through the movement. That is nature. So I'm thrilled to have you on, and I want to start off by asking you how how you perceive human beings in comparison to animals, particularly because you've spent so much time with the animals and animal nature.
2: Yeah, boy, this is a, a potent question to start with. Um, how do we perceive ourselves in relation to animals, and and just. The question shows our our cultural bias because we think of ourselves as separate than animals, and that's because we're thinking. Uh, when we come from our rational mind, we think dichotomously. We separate self from others. So I can separate myself from you. I can separate myself from nature. I can separate myself from the other animals. Somehow I'm distinct, and that's really an artificial construct. And here's where we get hung up with our self-identity and that's why we can treat the earth as a garbage can and that's why we can do the horrendous things we do to our fellow creatures our own species And look what we do we drop bombs on them and um, abuse and and, um, uh, categorize them label them Uh, we just do disgusting things with each other why what's going on here and I really think it boils down to the fact that we have separated ourselves from the rest of life. And it's nothing conscious for most of us because we are born into this culture. We cannot help ourselves. It's all about survival, and we learn the survival um, methodologies that work in our culture. However, they also perpetuate the culture, the culture of alienation. And I think, Simran, the, the, the worst, offense here is that we are separating ourselves from ourselves. We don't realize that we are nature, that we are animals. Um, Look at any aspect of us, um, physical, emotional, psycho, psychological. All of it says animal, animal, animal. We are no different. There's no distinction. Any distinction is a construct, and that's where we get into trouble.
1: I know, that oftentimes in the book, it caught me when you would talk about um, being reached out to, and you would be in your animal mind, and just even even the thought of that, or even the, the the concept of us allowing ourselves to believe that we are animals to connect, reconnect to that aspect that we are in nature, brings us about a certain. Degree of presence, and is that part of the reason for this book? Is it to deepen the presence that we have more in the now and more in connection to everything around
2: us? Yes, that's exactly it. You you hit it. Um, there's something about us that is very much alive and very very animal. Um, it it there, it's a part of the mind that's called the limbic process, and this is our animal mind. And we all know our animal minds because it comes up regularly. Whenever we have an impulse or, or an intuitive uh, thought or impression or something comes at us out of the blue, or call it divine inspiration if you want, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But anything that, that comes in the category of, I don't know where that came from. It's just It just came to me. That is our animal mind speaking. That's our deeper mind that does not function uh, with language. It does not function with rational thoughts. Yet it's amazing because neuroscience is showing us now that 95 to 99 percent of our decisions, of our actions, occur in our limbic process. We are just not in touch with them because we function, we've function. we learned to function mainly from our rational minds. So it's all there. It's all there already. There's nothing we have to learn. There's, there are no new techniques we have to adopt. No, um, there are no tricks. We just have to peel this layer off, this layer of conditioning that keeps us from being connected with our deeper self.
1: So before we get into the real crux of the book, uh, in the opening section, there were some passages that really touched me, and one had to do with the existence of the brotherly feeling that the Lakota uh, kept safe among them and that, that animals in the bird world actually have. Can you talk about the distinction between the brotherly feeling of animal nature and, and becoming nature and the and the brotherly feeling or brotherly love that we as human beings Currently
2: perceive, yeah, yeah, I think so. that's that's a tall order, but because there's there is some overlap for sure. I think the the feeling of camaraderie, of brotherly love that we want to foster that that is uh, oftentimes an ideal, a religious ideal, or just just a cultural ideal. Uh, we want to live in kinship and support of each other. And uh, however, it's coming from this, Idyllic place, and oftentimes we use guilt and shame to get there. Oh, you know, how could you treat your little brother that way? And you know, quit picking on on the neighbor kid. You know, we get this from our parents when we're ch- when we're children, and we're supposed to be other than we sometimes are because our fight flight mechanism is triggered, or because we're thrown in a group of thirty kids in school, and uh, we're all supposed to perform alike, but we want to be distinct. We want to be different. So. We're fighting against ourselves inside, and we have these love-hate feelings toward each other, and it's really a shame because this is not our natural state. What the Lakota people and and, um, many of the elders I've uh, studied with when I was younger uh, talk about is the relations, that everything is living in a brotherly and sisterly relationship with each other. Everything is living in community, and they would talk with me about the wingeds and the leggeds and the finned and the scaled as, as their brothers and sisters, and, and they would refer to them with the personal pronoun. And there was real relationship there. And what really comes out is that uh, when we civilized people think that we're going, to, uh, we're going to start a new town or a new community, uh, we think that we are doing it. I'm going out there in the wilderness or i'm or um, i'm or I'm going to homestead and start something new that's very much a civilized construct because native people, if they go to a new area, they re- recognize that the community is already existing. Yeah. All, of, all of their relations are there, and they're just going to join the community that's already there. and there is the real distinction, Simran, because that's what honor and respect is all about—recognizing, with humility, that oh boy, this is it, and I get to be a part of it. This is beautiful, rather than oh, I, I hear it is the wilderness, and I have to create something here. There's nothing here that's habitable, and uh, you know, I have to push these plants and animals away in order to make space for my house and my garden and my children and all of this. Well, the space is already there. And the the food is already there. The mother provides. There are berries and greens and all kinds of food around. We just see them as weeds, though. And there's the distinction. We don't have to create brotherly love. Brotherly love is already there in our heart of hearts. We just need to open to it and let it blossom forth.
1: Wow, that really brings also a distinction between power and force. The, the power of nature, which mm. is what you described when they come in and view the community already there. And the, when we really talk about force of nature, we usually think about storms or different types of things, but we are that storm that comes in and wreaks havoc oftentimes with the community that's already in place.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's well put. That's a beautiful distinction between power and force. So you
1: talk Uh, about it being relearning the old way and that we have to remember. And you you start off the book with the first language, that that there is a language that exists that we have to go back and, and particularly get acquainted with or reacquainted to that already exists within us. Talk a little bit about that animal language and... And how it is exactly the thing that people are grasping so hard for right now.
2: Uh huh. There's a language that all of natural life uses to communicate. Um, the bear and the deer and the fox and the butterfly and the tree and the flower, they are all communicating at all times, they're all interacting. Through this nonverbal communication, and this is why nature runs so beautifully, so synchronously, all on its own. Nature doesn't need a gardener. Nature doesn't need a landscaper. Nature doesn't need a conductor to keep everything flowing in sync. It it has its own uh, its own way of communicating, and we can be a part of that. And we actually are if we can just slow down. Relax and listen and melt into it. We're going to start hearing these um, these voices. We're going to hear the voice of the deer. There's a deer standing in the park. Um, let's say I go to the park and there's a deer standing off in the edge there, and that deer is communicating with everything around her, including us. If we can listen. And it's a two-way communication. Actually, that's not even accurate because it's a web of communication because when the mm-hmm. deer is communicating with me, the deer is also communicating with another deer we might not be able to see behind the brush. And with the squirrels who are setting out an alarm call because there's a, um, there's a dog, someone has a dog there, and the, and the squirrels are nervous, and they communicate that to the deer. And on and on, there's this web of interaction that's going on, and... We are a part of it, whether we are consciously aware of it or not. And this is it. We have to set our conscious minds aside and get into our limbic process. And then we can start hearing.
1: And so that listening is very intuitive. It is uh, empathic. It is a gut feeling. It's the extrasensory perception, Mm. which means that our very talkative world Our our very, very entrenched word-based communication probably goes uh, counterintuitively to all of that for us to even be able to tap into it.
2: Uh, So true, yeah. Word-based communication is very imprecise. Uh, It's just, i I give you an example. Um, I can say to my partner, I love you, and she knows what that means uh, to a degree. And or I can hiss it between my teeth. I can say I love you, you know, and just grit my teeth and and have a furrowed brow, and it says something entirely different. And the the words, you know, uh, dictionary definitions go on and on, trying to be precise about our language. Yet what. Is really going on communication wise has to do with our body language with the way we hold ourselves with the tone of our voice there's so much more to communication just on a conscious level and then there's all that goes on in a subconscious level as well just the fact that I am standing in a particular place at a particular time says a volume just the fact that um, of the, the the type of clothes I wear what I choose, my hairstyle, all of this speaks so much more than I could ever wrap up in words. Um, we, we only retain about 10% of what we hear anyway. Our short-term memory is very imprecise. Uh, so, some people have uh, memories that can retain quite a bit more, but uh, that, that's very much the exception. All of our words, we read a book, how much of it do we remember? We spend hours and hours and hours reading a book. Uh, uh, so much of it goes to waste. And this is the, the sad part of it to me is that this is detracting from real communication, from heart-to-heart communication, from what we could really be sharing amongst ourselves.
1: And we will continue this communication right after this break. In this guide entitled Becoming Nature, Tamarack song provides step-by-step instructions for reawakening the innate sensory and intuitive abilities that our hunter-gatherer ancestors relied upon, abilities imprinted in our DNA yet long forgotten through exercises and experiential stories. Tamarack guides us to immerse ourselves in nature at the deepest levels of perception which allows us to sense the surrounding world and the living beings in it as extensions of our own awareness. He details how to open our minds and hearts to listen and communicate in the wordless language of wild animals and plants. He explains how to hone our imagining skills so we can transform into the animal we are seeking along with becoming invisible by entering the silence of nature. He shows how to approach a wild animal on her own terms, which erases her fear and shyness. This is all in the book Becoming Nature by Tamarack Song. You can find it at Amazon along with his other books, and you can find out more about Tamarack's work at teachingdrum.org, including his Teaching Drum Outdoor School and some upcoming programs. That's teachingdrum.org. We'll be right back with Tamarack Song.
0: 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com 1111mag.com Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Giel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: I am with Tamarack Song, and we are discussing his wonderful book, The Coming Nature. I urge you, if you are someone that wants to commune more with nature, that loves to see the signs and symbolisms of nature, and more so wants to truly take that deeper, you want to pick up this book, Becoming Nature. It's beautifully done. It allows you to have a lot of different steps and processes to deepen your own connection and to really become more present in your own life and present with all that's around you. Tamarack's elders would say, listen, listen, the gray-eyed people are coming nearer every day. They're going to get you to drink hot black water. Then your teeth will become soft. Your eyes will run tears on the windy days, and your eyesight will be poor. Your joints will crack when you want to move slowly or softly. You will sleep on soft beds and will not rise early. When you begin to wear heavy clothes and sleep under heavy covers, then you will grow lazy. Then there will be no more singing heard in the valleys as you walk. Kinship with all creatures of the earth, sky and water, was a real active principle. For the animal and bird world, there existed a brotherly feeling that kept the Lakota safe among them. And so close did some of the Lakotas come to their feathered and furred friends that in true brotherhood they spoke a common tone. Tamarack understood why the song had become so hard to hear, and he was one of those raised to have poor eyesight and wear heavy clothes. Yet no matter what our background... He believes we all feel the ancestral yearning from deep within to join in the song of the track. Tamarack says, deep within each of us is a person who dances to the drum and knows healing lore from the time when we heard plants speak, a person who yearns for the peace of walking again in balance with earth and sky and fire and water. You can find out more at teachingdrum.org. And again, the name of the book is Becoming Nature. Welcome back, Tamarack. I want to get back to our talking. Uh, we had gone into the part about words, and when we move past that, if, even if we shut our mouths and go into silence, there tends to be this uh, overabundance of thinking. So, talk a little bit about the benefits of being versus thinking, and particularly how to do it in that commune with nature as sure. we become nature.
2: Yeah, I'd be glad to. There's one um, misunderstanding that we have, and, and that is to think that um, thoughts are bad, that thoughts get in the way. Um, our, our thinking mind is, think of it as, as a menu. I go into a restaurant and I have a choice of foods in a menu. There are many, many choices there. And I, I look down the menu and I choose one. Well, that's exactly the way the mind, the rational mind, is designed. It keeps throwing up these choices, these options for us. And we don't pay attention to them, just like the menu. We just look over what we're not interested in. The same with these thoughts. We just let them pass through. It's nothing to fight. It's nothing to deny or suppress because it's supposed to be there. We need those choices. It's a survival mechanism. And if we can let it go, we're okay. Okay. This, this is going to be going on in the background. This is, this is like um, background noise, you might say. And where we really want to be is in this place of deep listening. And I don't mean just listening, such as tuning into the radio or, um, you know, I'm watching a video and I'm tuned into what's going on there. But listening with our whole being, listening with all of our senses, listening with those intuitive impulses that come up, We have ancestral memories that we've accumulated since ancient times that are imprinted in our DNA. All of this is occurring at the same time. And there's deep listening involves picking up on what the other animals are are saying, too. If I'm out in the woods and I see a squirrel chattering, um, I'm listening to that squirrel chattering, but I'm listening to much more than that. I'm listening to why the squirrel is chattering because here's the web of life that I can tune into. It's not just about the squirrel. It's about all the squirrel is connected to and on and on. This is what is meant by the web of life, and this is what deep listening is all about.
1: So there are two aspects to the animal mind, then. There's the aspect of the animal mind that is more passionate and intuitively guided and... um, there's no emotional motivation or gratification, and yet there's this other type of animal mind that we have gotten into, which you spoke about earlier, which is the one that is very um, very much the opposite. so can you talk about the distinction between the two animal minds, one that is more i guess um the forceful one, and the one that is more in sync with everything?
2: yeah i an easy way to look at it is to look at fact and feeling. Um, we have both going on simultaneously all the time, and uh, we get into some trouble sometimes when we uh, emphasize one over the other you know when we when when we say, Oh, follow your feelings, you know what you're feeling is real, the rest of the rest of it is just peripheral, and we have the other perspective well, you know what science backs up I believe in, that's it. You know, I need the facts. I want solid evidence. Well, it really doesn't work that way because we are subjective creatures. There is no objectivity. Um, people who are into research realize this. They know this all the time. There's, there's a scientific bias. If I believe in something, I will either fish up the evidence to support my belief or I will create it through some sort of an experiment. It's all subjective. So if we can recognize that and just relax and realize that there's a place for both fact and feeling, they work together synchronously. And once we sink into that place, that, that in our animal minds, there's no distinction between fact and feeling anymore. You might call them flip sides of the same coin, or you know, closing the hoop, closing the circle, of of consciousness and subconsciousness, it's all there together.
1: So, how do animals stay in the now?
2: Well, actually, there is no now. <laughs> we we <laughs> this is a tough concept. I had trouble grasping it at first when it was explained to me by the elders. But what they what they have explained to me, as well as words, can grasp it. Is that rather than the now and a past and a the future, there is a continuum, and the past, present, and future are all here at the same time. And the, I guess the simplest way I can I can describe that is that we think of ourselves as going through uh, transitions from from the embryo to the fetus to being born as a baby to a toddler and on and on and on and up and. We are going from, in a linear fashion, we're evolving from, from A to B to C to D. Well, from Native perspective, all of this is occurring synchronously because when I become a toddler, I don't leave my babyhood behind. My babyhood is there, and I'm just adding to it. And the reason that I'm progressing is that I'm going somewhere. I know there's a future. There's no way to deny it. I cannot be in the now, or I would not take another breath. Because my breath is to keep myself going into the future, Uh, taking one step. Why am I taking that step in order to take the next step and the next step? So realistically, coming from um, nature perspective, everything is past, present, and future all at once.
1: So as you were talking, I was thinking about the world in the state that it's in right now. And if it, we were to continue being who we are on the planet and pillaging and wasting in the way that we do and being in that state of force, then the extinction that would actually happen would probably be the species of the human being. Animals themselves would continue to exist because they, they understand how to exist and I guess what I'm getting to is how do we rewire our brains because that's probably the biggest uh, dis-ease in this moment is we we don't realize what we're doing to the earth and by not fixing it, we are going to uh, inadvertently send ourselves back into um, becoming nature anyway. So why not just rewire the brain and choose to be there now? <laughs>
2: Boy, I, I'm with you, Simran. It makes perfect sense. It's the only sense that can be made of our of our of our dilemma. It's I, I liken it sometimes to us being on a on a on a runaway bus, and and you know we're going down this mountain and and uh, this mountain road, and the brakes are uh, the brakes don't work anymore, and there's nobody at the steering wheel. We are just tumbling down into the abyss. And I cannot, I I can just ask the same question you're asking. I have no answer. Um, It just seems as though we're gaining speed, and uh, it's getting crazier and crazier. Our population is exploding. Uh, Everybody wants to live like an American. Everybody wants to live a middle-class life. And that means right now that in order for that to happen, we would have to have three planet Earths to exploit uh, simultaneously, our, our planet cannot keep up. It just cannot keep up. And well,
1: just that's why I, I looked at your website, and, and there are such incredible trainings there, and, and there's so much about wilderness training. And I, and I sit there and I think about the majority of the people that I know, and if all of a sudden they had to live out in the wilderness, I don't know that they know what they were doing. I, I don't know that they could survive. I don't know that they would even know... How to take the first steps in terms of taking care of themselves or handling any sort of situation and part of that is the disconnect that we we, we feel almost threatened by nature simply because we don't allow ourselves to truly know it
2: yeah, so true what I encourage people to do is just to uh, be here now in the words of Ramdas um, the woman who illustrated uh, Becoming Nature lives in Manhattan, and she writes a nature column, believe it or not, based in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. She sees all kinds of life there. There are robins um, eating the insects who are living off of the potted plants on the balconies, and there are swallows and and doves and butterflies, and she's even seen raccoons and and uh, even a fox one time. There are animals everywhere. There are plants everywhere. There's life everywhere. And if we can just embrace it, we think so much that oh boy, I can't wait till I get out, until I, I, I can go to the beach on on you know next weekend, or I have my vacation coming so that I can go to. Um, go to some national park somewhere, that's all fine and beautiful, but that's still reinforcing that, that separation between us and nature, between the city and the country, and we have to break that down. We have to be here now and embrace right here what is here and love it and appreciate it, and that's what's going to grow. What we feed grows
1: So to start that process, it would be helpful to cultivate our own rhythm, to get back in touch with our own rhythm. And one thing you talk about is getting up earlier. Speak to why we should get up earlier or how that supports us in getting back into our natural rhythm.
2: Uh, We're oftentimes fighting our circadian rhythms. We would naturally get up at dawn Um, all other things being equal, if we did not have electric lights and stimulus to keep us up at night, we would naturally go to bed, go to sleep at dark or pretty close to dark uh, because there's no light, there's nothing to do after dark. And we sleep best. Uh, Research is showing us that the sleep that we get between probably midnight and 4 a.m. is the most precious sleep and we need a few hours before that in order to fall into this deep sleep state. That's really the the regenerating sleep. This is when our body heals. This is when our mind clears. We need that emotional cleansing every night. And that occurs naturally if we just follow the natural rhythms of the day and the night. And we just wake up at dawn. We don't need an alarm clock. We wake up refreshed and and. and, and Um, and enlightened it feels it feels enlightening to me it's it's amazing I have such energy I don't have to drag myself out of bed when the alarm goes off and take a shower and drink coffee to help me wake up coffee's drinking coffee is ludicrous to me I don't need it I'm plenty awake and uh, if we can get into that rhythm we're not fighting ourselves we have plenty of energy we're spontaneous we're right here and if we can allow ourselves to take a nap when we feel tired this is our circadian rhythm saying, "Hey, it's time to take a little, uh, get a little recharge here," and we wake up and go again. And this is—you see—the many traditional cultures, um, especially um, um, uh, Latin cultures, um, they have siestas. Uh, the French people do as well, and many other cultures around the world—they'll take some time in the afternoon. Um, the the British have tea breaks. Now, oftentimes they are structured, but still they're happening. It's better to go on our own rhythms if we can do that. I know a lot of people, a lot of us work, and we can't do that. But uh, as close as we can uh, get to our circadian rhythms, the more alive, awake, and spontaneous and connected we're going to be.
1: So what does it take to rise with the sun? Well, here's some tips for getting up at dawn. Consistently rise at dawn whether or not you are still tired. Go to bed early. After a few days of getting up at dawn, you'll soon be tired enough to fall asleep when you do go to bed. Wind down evening activity well before bedtime. Create a quiet sleeping environment. Refrain from reading, watching videos, or listening to music just before sleep. Have the evening meal early enough that it will be digested before you go to bed. Dim house lights after the evening meal and believe in it. I'm with Tim Rexong and he has written Becoming Nature learning the language of wild animals and plants. He spent his life studying the world's aboriginal people, apprenticing to elders, and learning traditional hunter-gatherer's survival skills. Allowing us to feel the blind yearning of a vixen fox in the heat and the terror of a squirrel fleeing in Pine Martin, the practices in his book, Becoming Nature, strip away everything that separates us from the animals. They enable us to restore our kinship with the natural world, strengthen our spiritual relationships with the animals who share our planet. And discover the true essence of the wild within us. You can find out more about Tamarack at TeachingDrum.org. Definitely look up some of his different programs that are coming up. And to get The Coming Nature or any of his books, you can go to Amazon. Again, that's TeachingDrum.org. We'll be right back with Tamarack Song.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444, People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized. So you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine, order now at www.1111mag.com, 1111mag.com.
2: Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network.
0: This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: If you're looking for a step-by-step guide to animal communication through mindfulness, Becoming Nature is that guide. It is by Tamarack Song, and it is a book that provides a step-by-step instructions for reawakening the innate sensory and intuitive abilities that our hunter-gatherer ancestors relied upon, abilities imprinted in our DNA yet long forgotten. Through exercises and experiential stories, Tamarack guides you into immersing yourself in nature at the deepest levels of perception, which allows you to sense the surrounding world and living beings as extensions of your own awareness. Tamarack says that he and the animals trusted each other it's not because they won't hurt each other but because they sometimes do we trust each other to speak our intent and listen to what the other says we trust each other to be true to our natures to be fully present and to take full responsibility for our actions there is no remorse no guilt no blame there's just the eternal dance of life begetting life begetting life It's important to remember here that everything has a voice that can be heard because everything is alive. If we can embrace and honor this, we'll step through a doorway to another reality. Some think this is just a quaint old Indian belief. Unfortunately, those people may never hear what the Indian hears. Visibility is nothing mystical. He merely respects all life so he can hear all life's voices. If you don't recognize or regard somebody, are you going to listen to what he has to say? Of course not. And that is why we're shut down to so much of what goes on around us. This is all from the book, Becoming Nature by Camarack Song. Welcome back, Camarack. We're in our last segment, and I definitely want to touch in a little bit on the 12 steps uh, that, that really are the, the, the finalized piece of this book. If you can go through some of those um, just to give people an idea of what they can encounter then I would I would love that, and then I also want to go into a few of the nine stages to becoming an animal.
2: Okay, great. Yeah, the twelve steps um, that you are referring here to here, Simran, are actually in the book laid out as twelve chapters of the book, and these are the twelve steps to um, realizing relationship, realizing relationship with nature, and I have it set up so that a person can go through these 12 steps and actually get close enough to touch an animal if you want, to touch a wild animal. And um, I don't necessarily advocate that because that's a real goal orientation and it can be very disruptive to animals. But just to know that you can get that close, to have that sense of, of relationship, of, of camaraderie with wild animals. They're no longer wild animals anymore. They're no longer going to run when you appear, but they're going to be there um, just as you are there, just doing what you're doing. If you're out picking berries or bird watching or whatever, they're going to be perfectly comfortable around you, just as you are around them. And that's that's the essence of this book. That's what I really want to convey. And uh, I'll just go through the twelve steps very briefly. The first one is to remember nature speak that we talked about at the beginning of this program. this is this is the animal language. This is our first language. And then step two is to learn uh, nature speak through birds. Birds are beautiful metaphors for communication because they're so visible. In the spring and summertime when they're mating and breeding they're right there the males are out there singing uh, you can see them flying back and forth um, bringing food to their nests and they're saying so much through their actions that we can learn a lot about animal communication just by watching the birds and then uh, becoming a part of that and I explain how to do that in the book and then uh, step three is awakening the animal mind which we talked about this is our limbic process And it's not all that hard to do because it's already there. It's just um, in the shadows of our conscious mind. And if we can let go of this thought process, as I explained, and and just let our deeper impulses and intuitions come up, there we are. We're already there. And uh, step four is letting go of some of the things that trip us up. You know, um, Simran, you asked about getting up with the dawn. That's one of the things. If we are up when the animals are up, this is when they're most active, at dawn and dusk. We're going to learn so much just by being present with them. Mm. Today, the they're all taking siestas, and uh, we're not going to see a a lot. <laughs> um, step five is to be where the magic happens, and that—that's. this is part of it here. Be there at the dawn. Uh, if we know the animals' movements, um, where they eat, where they rest... Where they loaf uh, we can be there that's a big trick sometimes we go walking out in the woods and where's all the life we say well it's there <laughs> we just need to be where it is uh, step six is to enter the silence and this is about listening dynamic we already talked about that step sev- seven is uh, energizing and attuning our senses uh, our senses have atrophied to a large degree um, our, our, our hearing, our, our sight, our sense of touch uh, is not as acute as it could be and it's not all that hard to reawaken it. And I explain how to do that in the book. And then step eight is about movement. I cover natural walking and I cover uh, shadow canoeing. Canoeing is a beautiful way. Canoe, kayak, it doesn't matter what your watercraft is, but it's so easy to move silently and move as a shadow through the waters, especially small waters where there's a lot of shoreline because this edge between water and land is where the life is concentrated and so much can be seen and observed there. And then step nine is to turn invisible. Now, we don't literally turn invisible. There's no native person that I know of who can uh, just disappear. But if you can't see something, uh, it's just as good as invisible, right? That's all we have to do is just know how to move within the greater movement, move within the shadows. And uh, and then in step 10, I list the best tricks for seeing animals um, to know when and how to see them and where to see them. And step 11 is to actually become the animal. And that is to become ourselves, actually. And we can do that through becoming, through envisioning, through becoming another animal, Uh, whichever animal we want. It can be a bird fox, a deer, a butterfly, we can literally come to sense and feel what that animal's needs and wants are, what that animal's motivations are, what that animal's fears are. When we can become that animal, it helps us to become our animal, to become ourselves. And then step 12.
1: And that's, a, that's part of the reason for animal totems in themselves, right? To help us understand that we can take on those natures. We can we can become that way in our lives and in in situations where we need uh, those qualities, so to speak.
2: Yeah, boy, that's a great observation. Um, most of us know about uh, Native people and, and some of us, too, who have animal guides or, or totems or dodems. Uh, there are different terms for the, all the same thing. Uh, even in uh, the Christian tradition, having a guardian angel is having an animal guide, believe it or not. Angels have wings, right? Angels come from afar. They're there mm-hmm. to help and guide us. Same thing.
1: And beautiful. And another one I'd like to go back to was the one where you really, the, the section where you go into the listening skills with the shadowing, uh, because I found that to be quite powerful, not only to, to understand the shadow, but to, to shadow people, to shadow the animal natures of people and understand where those actions and behaviors are within us to me, was another very, very powerful insight as
2: I read through. Oh, that's great, yeah. I encourage people to make a game of it. When we shadow somebody, um, we are literally walking in the shadow of that person, um, moving as that person moves, going where that person is going, stepping as that person is stepping. And when we do that, we all of a sudden realize that we're starting to feel what that person is feeling and think what he's thinking, and we see what he's seeing And uh, it all starts to fit together, and and this is good training. When I'm in the city, I will just fall in step behind somebody, and I'll watch the way they walk, the way they're stooping, what they're carrying, and I will envision that I'm doing the same thing. And I learn so much about that person. It's a great introduction to another person. And this is is what we do in the woods. This is what stalking is all about and, and the hunt, when a wolf stalks another animal or a native hunter is following another animal that person is actually becoming the animal to to sense and feel what that animal uh is all about what the animal's up to and it 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 helps tremendously in terms of knowing somebody else and of course on the hunt it helps to feed my people because I can I can get that animal for my people
1: mm, mm. and i think you know when you're talking about shadowing people and taking on their their way of moving and literally walking in their shoes, it, it also deepens our compassion or our sense of brotherly connection to one another. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, so,
1: so true. So when we go into the nine stages of becoming an animal, um, talk about what happens when we become the animal. What, what, what are some of the experiences or effects that will have on us?
2: Well, um, you, you mean what happens to us? Yes. Yeah. When we become the animal,
1: yes. What what is possible for us in becoming the
2: animal? Oh, it's amazing. Uh, the first thing that happens to me is that my self consciousness disappears. Um, it's no longer me, Tamarack. Um, I become this other being, this sensing, feeling, caring, um, perceptive, adaptive being, and. When I'm crawling on the ground, for example, I'm on all fours. I'm moving like a fox. And the whole world looks different from that level. When I'm up above, I'm seeing above the brush. I'm looking through things that would be my horizon if I was down lower. And when I stoop down, um, the world looks very different because I see trails under the brush. Um, I see wildflowers, and I see... Bones and all kinds of things that I would miss otherwise if I was standing as a two-legged. And it's just a beautiful process of letting myself go. And I, I I no longer think that I am myself or that I am a fox. I am just a sensory being there immersed in another environment.
1: My guest today is Tamarack Song, and he has spent his life studying the world's Aboriginal peoples, apprenticing to elders, and learning traditional hunter-gatherer survival skills. He is the founder of the Teaching Drum Outdoor School in the Wilderness of Northern Wisconsin and has authored several books, including Entering the Mind of the Tracker and *Whisper of the Ancients. Today we have discussed Becoming Nature, Learning the Language of Wild Animals and Plants. We civilized humans have made a mess of things. We are pillaging our planet faster than she can mend, and in the process, we are methodically killing off nearly everything that does not directly serve us or merely gets in our way. We have a lot to heal and a lot to make up for. Perhaps the most profound step we can take is to embrace the children of nature as our kin. When enough of us, again, consider them worthy of listening to and opening our hearts, for the balance will be restored. A saying comes to mind, to know you is to love you. When we take the time to listen to someone's story, to understand what her life is like, we come to see that her needs and wants are the very same as ours. We develop a fondness for the person, a caring relationship, and we treat her with respect and consideration. We can do this with people. We can do this with animals. We can do this with plants for it is our nature. Thank you, Tamarack Song, for your work in the world, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. Until next time, I am Simrin in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.
0: Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simran next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey, you are the journey.